Good morning. So good to see everybody today. Yeah, that Disciple Now weekend was really good. We got to um, be a part of that as we were the host homes for the junior high boys. So you can imagine. It was good, though. I mean, I don't have one complaint about those guys. I mean, other than the smells, I mean, it was... I'm just... Just kidding, I was joking with them about that last night. They're not one complaint at all. I mean, this is a great group of of young people, and uh, tell you what, Garrett Bean was their group leader, and Garrett, man, God's got you marked, buddy. He had those young boys in the palm of his hand last night, man. I I wouldn't take part. I would just leave him to go teach them and lead them, but... You know, I would kind of stay in the, in the shadows a little bit and kind of eavesdrop every now and then. I'll tell you what, last night they were having their small group uh, Bible study, and you could just sense God's presence in there so strong. And, I mean, there was ministry going on, so uh, it's good, man. God's doing a really good thing in our young people in this church, and I'm so excited about that. If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 <clears throat> as we continue this series on the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to start taking a closer look at uh, the spiritual gifts. You know, two weeks ago uh, we saw, based on straight, I mean, based on Scripture, the Bible, that uh, spiritual gifts are just as valid and useful for the church today as they were uh, back when the church first started. And one of the, the places that we looked at to know this was in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where Paul said that the gifts of the Spirit will cease when the perfect comes. And I told you he was talking about when Jesus returns and restores all things. But those that believe that the gifts have ceased and they're not for the church today, they will also use that verse and they will say that the perfect is referring to When the canon of Scripture is completed and the Bible is as we know it today. But that argument or that case doesn't really hold water very well because if the Scripture is perfect, which I believe that it is, then all of it, all of the prescriptive text like we talked about last week should apply to us today. And so if you're going to take out things like 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and says that's not for us, well then it's not perfect. There is some flaw. It's not adequate. I believe that all of the scripture, the, the prescriptive text that we read here was not just for the churches that the apostles wrote to then, but we know they're all for us even today. We can't pick out the parts that we aren't comfortable with and say that's not for us today and then try to come up with some theology to support that. If we're going to do that, we might as well start picking out anything that we don't like. But we we can't do that. I mean, either we take all of God's Word for what it is, or we take none of it, right? All right, so Corinthians here, Paul is obviously writing to a church that was very open to uh, the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, they were so open to it that they started to get a little overboard with it. And so part of Paul's whole reason for writing this letter to the church in Corinth was to correct the error that they had gotten into when it came to the use of spiritual gifts. We're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 12, so let's all stand together as we look at this. 
He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. Let's pray. Lord, I'm asking this morning, through Your Holy Spirit, God, for understanding. For understanding of your word, Lord, your word says that we don't have because we don't ask. And Lord, if we don't have understanding about what you are showing us this morning, I pray that you would give that to us. Lord, would you guide us in truth and help us to grab hold of what it is that you want for us, what it is that you are saying for us today, that you may be glorified in everything we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before Paul starts listing each of these gifts here, he says some things that are important for us to understand about them. In verse 7, we have the closest thing to a definition as we will find in the Bible. It says, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To manifest means to make visibly or tangibly known, tangibly evident. And so Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit makes himself tangibly evident in our midst when these gifts are in use. Here's something that is crucial to our understanding about spiritual gifts that I believe I mentioned just briefly last week. And that is that spiritual gifts are not God bestowing on his people something external to himself. They are not some stuff or substance that is apart from God. They should never be viewed deistically, meaning that God out there send some thing to us down here. Look again at verses 4 through 6 again. He says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things and all persons. And so he takes the words gifts, ministries, and effects and takes those in association with spiritual gifts. And then he correlates those with Spirit, Lord, and God, which is the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so what Paul is doing there in those three verses is that he is illustrating that the gifts of the Spirit are no less a part of the Godhead than any person of the Trinity. 
The first point in your notes is what I believe is a good definition that we can work with in our understanding of spiritual gifts. And that is, spiritual gifts are God himself working in and through us. They are disclosures of divine power shown through human activity. Disclosures of God's divine power shown through human activity. Now, we all know that God is omnipresent, right? Meaning that he is everywhere. But that is something that we don't always can, we can't always prove or see or feel or anything like that in a tangible way. It's just one of those things that we believe by faith, that, that God is everywhere. But throughout history, there have been three primary ways where God has not just had his overall presence in that way, but he has placed his tangible physical presence here on earth. Three ways. First, it was done in the innermost room of the temple with the Hebrew people. In the Holy of Holies, God's tangible presence resided there. But it wasn't for everyone to experience. Only the high priest was allowed to go in that room. If anybody else went in that room and encountered God's tangible presence, they would immediately drop dead. But even the priest, he himself had to meet all kinds of qualifications and specifications in order for him to be considered worthy to go in there. And if he didn't meet every one of those qualifications just right, he would breathe his last breath as well when he entered that presence. And then uh, after the temple, God manifested his presence on earth in the person of Jesus. Colossians 1.15 says he is the image of the invisible God. Then Jesus died on the cross. One of the reasons, the main reasons that he did that was in order to make all who trust in him for salvation eligible and qualified to enter into and experience the very tangible presence of God himself. All those requirements that God had for anyone who is able to do that, Jesus met those requirements for us. He met them on our behalf so that we could now uh, enter into and, and fellowship with the presence of God. And for those who do that, God now in the world today manifests his uh, tangible presence on earth through us with the gifts of the Spirit. That's what he does with those. I like how Sam Storms put it, which I also included there in the notes. He says, spiritual gifts are God going public among his people. Just God going public among his people, making himself known. Here's the deal. Because these gifts are a part of God himself and not a part from him, To ignore and avoid spiritual gifts, I mean, really is to ignore and avoid God. It's no small issue whether we affirm or deny them because in affirming spiritual gifts, we affirm God. In denying them, we deny Him. Now, I know that sounds 
harsh. But the reality is whether or not spiritual gifts are for the church today is not some minor debate that we are just to leave to the theologians to figure out. What we decide about spiritual gifts directly impacts the very mission of the church and how she lives out her calling. Listen, how we speak to the world, the way that we engage the enemy, how we minister to the broken and wounded and despairing is all bound up in the way that we answer two questions. Number one, will we or will we not be the church of the Bible? And then the other one is, will we or will we not build the church, build God's kingdom here on earth with the tools that he has provided for us to do that with? That's the question God is asking us today in this time. Do you want in or not? Do you want to get in on what God is doing or you just want to sit there and go through the religious motions and play social organization and not do church? Because that's basically what our options are. Knowing that such gifts are available and understanding how they function are essential if we do want to get in on what God's doing right now. And I believe if we do want to experience that abundant life that Jesus said he came to give. Church, I want you to be educated when it comes to spiritual gifts. One of the reasons for that is because we tend to not concern ourselves very much with what we don't understand. And if the understanding that we do have is distorted, then our lack of concern can turn into fear and outright opposition. But I also want each of you to be fully equipped to use the gifts that God gives you. Every one of you. He has and he will. And he wants to use you and he wants to make himself known in and through you. And so I want you to be able to be equipped be able to walk in that. And so I encourage you to have an attitude of expectation. Be expectant about what God can do for you and through you and for those that he has called you to help with his power. And I want your faith and your confidence in the greatness of God to just grow and intensify. That's what I think lays in store for us as a church. So let's look closer at the gifts here. Now, in the next couple weeks as I go through these, I'm not going to talk about every single spiritual gift that we find in the Bible. I mean, this list here in 1 Corinthians 12 is not an exhaustive list. There are some gifts that Paul mentions here that aren't mentioned in other lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. And some gifts mentioned there that aren't mentioned here. I'm primarily just going to focus on the gifts that tend to be the most misunderstood. And the order that I go in them is not necessarily an order of importance. I'm simply just going to follow the order that, that Paul lists them here. So let's look again at verse 8. 
He says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. So here Paul mentions two gifts, word of wisdom and words of knowledge. Both of those, along with the gift of prophecy, fall under what we could call revelatory gifts, meaning God supernaturally reveals something to us. He discloses information that we wouldn't have known by any other means. Now, it's hard for us to precisely define these two gifts because 1 Corinthians 12.8 is the only place in all of the New Testament that these two gifts are mentioned. They're not talked about anywhere else. And Paul gives absolutely no indication to us in this of their exact meaning. Now because of that, because this is the only place that these two gifts are mentioned, some argue that that diminishes their validity. That maybe those aren't really gifts that, that we should be concerned about or anything. Maybe Paul just was kind of talking about something else there, but that's not really a wise thing to say because there are other things in the Bible that are only mentioned once that we don't question at all. I'll give you an example. I mean, believe all of us would agree, or at least I hope we would, that uh, taking part in communion together, the Lord's Supper, is something that we should do on a regular basis, right? I mean, that's, that's just one of the things we do in church. But other than the Last Supper that Jesus went, spent with his disciples before his execution, the only place that the Lord's Supper is talked about anywhere in the New Testament is in 1 Corinthians 11. That's it. But no one ever questions the validity of the Lord's Supper just because it's only mentioned in that one place. And so you really can't do that when it comes to spiritual gifts either. In order for us to get an idea of what words of wisdom and words of knowledge are, we really need to look elsewhere for possible examples of those gifts um, in operation. If we look at Jesus' ministry... Because that's the thing, you got to start there, because every one of these gifts are, are what Jesus uh, operated in himself. He announced that God's kingdom had come and then demonstrated how that kingdom operates, and he did that through the use of these gifts. And so there are several times where uh, we read where it says that Jesus knew someone's thoughts, whether it was his own disciples it mentions that a couple of times, or those that were against him, trying to trap him, that Jesus supernaturally knew what they were thinking in that moment. In the first chapter of John, Jesus calls Nathaniel to follow him. Now, at first, Nathaniel had reservations about this guy named Jesus after hearing Peter speaking so highly about him, because Peter had met him, and then he was so impressed by him, he went and got Nathaniel and said, come on, you got to meet this guy, he is amazing, but the whole way, Nathaniel's questioning him, that's where the phrase comes, uh, can anything good come from Nazareth, and so he's skeptical about Jesus, but as soon as he meets him, Jesus says some things about Nathaniel that uh, apparently he couldn't have known any other way than God supernaturally revealing that to him because as soon as he says it, Nathan immediately goes from being skeptical, skeptical to calling Jesus the Son of God and the King of Israel. So something happened right there. That was some information that Jesus knew that really blew Nathaniel's mind. The most frequently cited example of Jesus' 
um, operating in this gift is when he was with the Samaritan woman at the well. And he talked about, uh, he called out the, that secret sin that she was living in. In Acts chapter 5, Peter calls out Ananias and Sapphira for the deceitful uh, thing that they were involved in at the time, which Peter apparently had received from some type of uh, revelation of the Holy Spirit. And then as we go through Acts and some of the other New Testament, there are several instances where we read of someone receiving some information that they wouldn't have known by any other means. They wouldn't have known unless God had revealed that to them. Now, you can look at every one of these examples in here and start trying to put these labels on them and and define them and say, well, that one's the word of knowledge and that one's the word of wisdom, but that one can't be wisdom because it's knowledge and here's why and and do all that. I mean, whichever one you call that, whether it's words of wisdom or words of knowledge, you may not be exactly right but you may not be totally wrong either. And the reason I say that is because, like I said, we don't have a clear definition in Scripture of what these are. God just kind of leaves that open. All we know is that they are supernatural revelations of some type of information. The point is we shouldn't get hung up in terms and definitions. All we need to know and believe is that God may at times give information to someone that they wouldn't have known without him doing that. Now, why does God do that? What exactly are the purpose of these gifts? Well, Paul tells us the purpose of all of them right before he goes through the list. He says they are for the common good, for the good of the body of Christ, the good of the church. Later on, you'll hear him repeat over and over for the edification, for the building up of the body. Most of the times I have either witnessed or experienced this gift or these gifts in action, it has been to bring comfort, encouragement, or confirmation about something to someone else, to to someone. The most common way that these gifts have been defined is to say that words of knowledge pertain to information about someone's life and words of wisdom pertain to instruction for someone's life. Information about versus instruction for. Now, I almost included that in the notes, but I didn't because the Bible doesn't define these so specifically. And I don't want us to get to what I've seen before is to where uh, people can get so legalistic about putting something and trying to make it fit nicely into this nice little box. But we don't need to do that if God doesn't fit it in there in Scripture. I mean, if, if he didn't fit it into a nice little box and wrap it up in this, in this simple package for us, then we don't need to do that either. He just kind of leaves that open in the Scriptures without giving us a clear definition. How we define them isn't nearly as... Uh, important as as what we believe and how we operate in them. I mean, we can get so hung up on definition and terminology that we completely miss God. And so since we don't find a clear definition for each one, I've uh, just kind of put one together just to help in our understanding that that kind of wraps both of them up. And so this is the next point in your notes. Wisdom, words of wisdom and words of knowledge are divinely revealed information or instruction we wouldn't have known by any other means. 
It could be information or it can be instruction, and it can come in many different ways, as we'll see in just a minute. Usually, this information or instruction is not primarily for the one that's receiving it, but it's ultimately for someone else. In other words, God may give you a picture in your mind or a particular word that just seems to keep coming up over and over or a phrase or insight into some situation that is for you to share with someone else. And so the next point, usually the revelation given is ultimately intended for someone else. Now, why would God do that? I mean, if it's ultimately for a particular person that God is trying to speak to or show something to, why wouldn't he just give it to them directly instead of having it come through somebody else? Well, sometimes he may give it directly to the person, but more times than not, it seems that he gives it to someone else to give to them. And the reason for that, number one, one of them is the next thing in the notes, is that it brings us into deeper relationship with one another. Remember, God wired us for relationship. And when we operate in these gifts, it forces us into communication and relationship with one another. Another reason is because it gives a sign to that person, or both really, of God's presence and activity in that person's life. It's God directly letting a person know, I see you. I am aware of what's going on. And I'm here, and I love you. Now, when Jesus said to the disciples, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you, he wasn't kidding. That wasn't something that he said just in theory. Operating in these gifts like this is a sign of him fulfilling his promise. Yes, I'm here. I am right here with you. I would add another reason, too, to that, and that's that, you know, sometimes we hear God speaking to us and we just don't get it. Or maybe we think that we might be hearing something from God, but we're not really sure whether it's from Him or if it's from something that we ate the night before. It's just, you know, I don't know. Is that my flesh or is that God? And so we can just kind of get paralyzed, stuck in, in trying to make that decision. But if God gives it to somebody else... And then they come to us, and not knowing that we've been already wrestling with this, we're like, well, yeah, that's from God. It's like God going, here's your sign. You know, I've been trying to talk to you, but here you go. I really want you to get this. And so he'll give it to somebody else, and then we're not questioning whether it's from him or not. And then the last point about these two gifts. The person receiving the revelation may not always receive the meaning. And I would say this is usually the norm rather than the exception. That revelation may come in different forms. Like I said, it could just be a picture that God puts in your mind or uh, just one word or a phrase, insight into some situation. You probably won't know what it means, but you go over to whoever it is the Lord has laid on your heart to go share this with, and you say something like, you know, I just keep getting this word. I don't know what it means. But I feel like God wants to share it with you. And if that was from the Lord, I mean, more times than not, I and mean, more than likely the person that's receiving it, they're going to know immediately what it means. Because it's already something that God's probably been, been speaking to them 
there. And so just because you may not know the meaning of whatever it is that God's giving you doesn't mean it's not from God. And don't make this mistake, because I've seen people do this, that if they got the word, if they got this particular revelation of whatever it is, they think it's their responsibility now to, to give the meaning of it. If God didn't give you the meaning of it, there's a reason for that. And so don't try to come up with some meaning and go tell the person, here's the word I got, and that would be right. And then you go, here's the meaning, and you'd be completely off. And now you just confuse the whole situation. So just be faithful with what little God gives you and go with that. Don't try to think you've got to make something else happen there. He just wants you to be obedient with what he's given you. So that's words of wisdom and knowledge. Does God... Want to make that gift more evident among us as a people? I believe so. And so I would encourage you to, number one, pay attention. Just simply pay attention to what it is the Holy Spirit may be saying or revealing to you. You know, one of the reasons that I think that we don't see the gifts in operation more, other than just a lack of faith or lack of belief, is simply that we surround ourselves with so much noise of this world that it's impossible for us to hear God. And it's like we are sitting there with these two giant subwoofers and got the noise of the world cranked up as loud as we can and we're going, God, I'm just not hearing from you anymore. Why aren't you speaking to me? God's going, get the noise out of the way. Just remove yourself from the noise a little bit and you'll hear me speaking to you Quite often, actually. It's either that or we are so self-absorbed that we're just completely oblivious to what God's doing around us. And so I would encourage you, if you want to get in on what God is doing, especially when it comes to this, get out of yourself. Get out of yourself and in tune with the Holy Spirit. He does want to use you, and he wants to make himself known and display his power through you. Turn the noise of this world down and listen to the Holy Spirit and try to be more concerned with others than you are for yourself because the biggest hindrance to walking in the Holy Spirit is self. Self will quench that more times than anything else. Now, before we close here, I've invited two people to come up here and share an experience that they've had with this particular gift. And uh, this happened just recently at a Beating the Wave a weekend, and when I heard about it and I knew that this was what was next in our series, I was like, wow, they got to share that. And so... Uh, uh, Tiffany Tut and Jessica Lusk. There's Jessica. Tiffany, y'all come up here and uh, share this with everybody. You're going to like this. Okay, I haven't known Jess for very long. I've only heard things about her, her story, and, her, and, her, and heard her speak at Fields of Faith. So at VN, when it got laid on my heart to pray for her, I was super confused. It had been the one year of Cody's death, and I asked the Lord, Really? Me? My prayer won't do anything for her. She's had so many people to pray for her. What could my simple prayer even do? 
And I was also thinking, like, wow, this will be weird. I've never even talked to her in my entire life. Why would she want me praying for her? But I didn't let any of that stop me. As the day went on, I kept thinking of what I was going to pray about. That night in the chapel, I finally had the perfect prayer and had the opportunity to do it. I got the courage and went up to Jess and asked if I could pray for her. As soon as I had said that, though, the prayer I'd memorized had completely went away, and the only thing in my mind at that time was the word beautiful. I asked God, why the word beautiful? But again, I obeyed and told her exactly what God was telling me to say. So I said to her, I had a prayer planned out all day long, but as soon as I got up here, the only thing I can say is the word beautiful. I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I just have to tell you. You are beautiful. Your story is beautiful. Your daughter is so beautiful. How you inspire young girls is beautiful. Everything about you is just so beautiful. Amen. I was still thinking to myself why I told her that, and she probably thinks I'm so weird for saying it, but I was so wrong. She broke down crying and had said to me, The word beautiful is one of the last things Cody said to me before he passed away. I also began to cry. In that exact moment, I knew that I did the right thing. that I did the right thing and obeyed God on what he needed me to say. And, and it truly opened my eyes to how the Holy Spirit can really work. We didn't cry in first service. <laughs> um, yes, as Tiffany, Tiffany shared, um, in that moment in chapel, that was the one to the day, the one-year mark of, of Cody passing away and almost down to the minute. Um, and we were just having quiet time in chapel, and I was just sitting there just kind of talking to God and just just thinking of this past year and the road that I've had to walk and the healing that's happened and the beauty that's came from it. And her sharing the word beautiful resonated so much with me because the last words as she shared was um, my husband texted me when he was on the lake and it could have been minutes before the boat capsized that he was sharing with me what a beautiful life we had, how beautiful of a wife I was, how beautiful our daughter was. And so to be sitting in that moment and struggling with that and thinking of our our last moments together, and then for someone to come and share just one word, the word beautiful, and it's almost like the Lord saying, what Pastor, Pastor Jason said, you don't know the healing that can happen when you're obedient to the Holy Spirit. You don't know what one word spoken to somebody else can do to them. So let's not quench the Holy Spirit at all. That's, he's here for us to, um, to empower one another. And another thing that, that uh, Jason had said was, I mean, the Lord could have given me that revelation sitting there. He could have given me the word beautiful, but he chose to give it to somebody else. And that's formed a relationship and a bond between her and I that will last forever. And for that, I'm just forever just thankful that she was obedient and thankful that Jason wanted us to share this. There are several stories that I could share about, you know, my experience with that gift but I wanted you to hear it from one of y'all. People tend to think, well, only professional ministers that happens with, or only the super spiritual people that it happens with. I wanted you to hear from a teenage girl and a single, recently widowed lady 
that was going through a time almost at the exact moment, minute that her husband passed away that the Holy Spirit gave Tiffany that word to give to her. Now, try to tell me the gifts aren't in operation in the church today. Yes, they are. And God wants to use every one of us. He has gifts for you. He wants you to get in on what he is doing. So ask him. Say, here I am, Lord. Use me. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you haven't left us on our own. You are here and you make yourself known in the most amazing ways. Lord, all through your word, it was the most insignificant people in society that you seemed to do the biggest things through. Which just makes more sense so we could point to you and see you and not someone else's achievements or status or title. Lord, I just pray that you would start just showing us right now the things in our lives that we just need to to turn the volume down on. Maybe it's something we just need to walk completely away from that's keeping us from just walking in this kind of relationship with you to where we are so in tune with you, Lord. We're just hearing you speak at every turn and we're reaching out to those that you are leading us to. Lord, I know you're right here with us in this moment. Thank you for speaking to us through your word and through your people. And Lord, I pray that we would be that church to say, yes, Lord. I don't want to just go through the religious motions. I don't want this to just be a social organization. I want to be a part of the living bride of Christ. I want a lot of flame that spreads over this whole area. I want to get outside of my own selfishness and into what you're doing, Lord. So again, Lord, don't let us miss you. Let's grab hold of what you're doing and give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.